Welcome to Virtual Recollection. I am your host, Janessa. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have played a video game, and chances are that game made you feel something, or maybe it influenced you in some way. We hear stories about games that motivate players or move them to tears, games that have made our hearts sore. But what about games with an influence more sinister? What if a game caused you to see and hear things, or drove you to the brink of insanity? What if you didn't realize this was happening until it was too late? On this episode, and in honor of the spookiest month of the year, we wander into the dark folklore of two games with a dangerous history, both shrouded by a thick mist of rumors and hearsay, games that have said to cause players to lose their grip on reality, and in one case, even lead them to murder. The signs say stay away, and they warn us to enter at our own risk, but we're chasing a shadow of the truth, and we must follow, no matter where it leads. The Elder Scrolls is a well-known video game series that takes place in the fictional world of Nern. From the series came the game Morrowind, released in 2002 for the Xbox and PC, and the namesake of the region the game is set in. Located on the continent of Tamriel, Nestled in the eastern shore, sharing a border with Skyrim, which you might have heard of because it has a small dragon problem. It wasn't long after Morrowind was released that the player-created mods shortly followed. A mod, or modification, is altering the current game to create different content or make the game do something it isn't normally programmed to do. Player-created mods are nothing new and have been around for as long as games have existed. However, rumors started to bubble up about a mysterious mod that surfaced out of seemingly nowhere that would cause players to hallucinate, lose sleep, and even make them feel like they were going crazy. Today we have Alex on the show to tell us more. So when I originally pitched this podcast idea, I was really scared that I had come up with this thing that no one could have stories for. But when I talked to you, you had told me all these great ideas, one of them being this Morrowind mod that I had never heard of before, ever. Where did you hear of this mod? Well, I'm kind of a weird person, and I really enjoy scary things. It's it's probably one of my most favorite things ever. I really enjoy scary movies, urban legends, going through haunted houses. I just absolutely love that. So being the nerd that I am, I was just trolling around on the internet and um, I had read that article about the uh, Haunted Mundura's mask cartridge. And so I was like, oh, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder if there's anything else like this, because that would be cool. And so um, I typed up, typed in, you know, haunted video game myths, I think, into Google, because that's what you do. And it came up across a whole bunch of different lists and they include this Morrowind mod, which from what I can gather is probably one of like the only documented things that's like it actually the mod does actually exist. Now, whether or not everything that kind of goes around it doesn't may or may not exist because, you know, urban legends and stuff, but the mod does physically exist. So wait, what is the name of this mod again? <laughs> it is, let's see, capital J, lowercase v, lowercase k, 1166z.esp. So not 
I mean, no language that anyone could. Oh no, it's not like a general, like a general file name. It looks like. Oh yeah, it'd definitely be something that you, if you were looking around for mods, you wouldn't just be like, "Oh, this sounds cool. Let's try that." That that is the actual file name uh, for this uh, mod. So, what happens in the mod that makes it so creepy? I guess one of the first things that usually kind of raises up a red flag with this is that you can't actually just start a game with it, which is bizarre. When you load up the mod, it actually just kind of crashes your game slash your computer. But if you, I think you run it in like DOS box, it would work, but be kind of laggy, kind of strange you couldn't get into options you couldn't get into load game or the console or anything else i also remember if you tried loading it up it would actually like corrupt and like kill your um save file and the only way you could actually save is through a quick save file but yeah so besides that it you know it used an older graphics render making the DOS box necessary. Didn't look any different, though. When you would start a new game, what would happen is this pop-up box would open up, and it would say, Prophecy has been severed, which I'm sure players are like, what the hell? That's weird. And what that, I guess, means is that every single NPC in the game that is important to do with the main quest or has something to do with main quests are all dead, completely dead. They will not despawn. They just are there. Oh, wait, wait. Okay, so if all the NPCs die, doesn't that essentially, I mean, then you can never beat the game, right? If all the NPCs die? Yep, pretty much. That kind of raised, you know, a red flag with people because they're just like, okay, what what the heck do I do in this mod then? Because I can't do anything story-driven. That's dumb. So I guess one of the things that people would notice once they jumped into the game, so they would see that all the NPCs are dead except for this Yagrim person. And they would also notice that they would actually start losing health. It's only a little bit, but it keeps happening. And it's always like just a very little bit at a time. The longer you stay in one place it quicker seems the health goes down. And so if you actually die this way by losing health, you'll see this figure come out of nowhere whose name is the assassin. That's what people have kind of dubbed this person because it just seems to be a retextured version of a dark brotherhood armor from the tribunal, except for, and I think you could actually find pictures of him online. His limbs are kind of, elongated and disjointed kind of looking kind of like um, a spider. And you people said they started noticing that you can actually see him in certain parts. Like if you were kind of looking around, you can kind of see him like scuttling across the background or up walls or on ceilings or something. Just kind of always around. And he would always be crawling around, you know, inhumanely on his hands and feet and splayed out like a spider. And you'll usually see him after you die crawling around and over your body just before the you know reload box pops up. It made the game really difficult to play at night because, as you can imagine, if you're playing it at night, your eyes are really tired. You ought look off in a dark room, especially if you're playing because, you know, gamers, who cares about our eyes, uh, would see, you know, things in shadows scuttling across the wall. So some people kind of, you know, became convinced, oh, my God, the assassin's in my room because, you know, sleep deprivation is crazy. So are there actual accounts of people playing this and being like, oh, my God, I saw the assassin scurrying across the ceiling or something like that? There is. um, I believe it was on a 
Reddit forum? We looked this up to see what we could find. There is indeed a subreddit dedicated to finding and recreating the mod, and despite what you might think, it's actually still fairly active. A few posts are clearly just people trolling for fun, but most are full of seriously inquisitive gamers wanting to know more about this game and how they can play it. Supposed mod download at your own risk. Yes, people, you know, worry about things like that. Just because a lot of um, a lot of these things and the way it's labeled and the way, and I'll go, and I can kind of go into more of that later because it actually will act, uh, try to it'll actually access things in your computer and throw them into the game. Whoa! Which is really? kind of the creep. Yeah. Like what? So what will happen is, so you're playing through the game. Um, you'll come across. You'll notice that at night. What will happen is if every NPC that's alive, you know, that's not story related, will actually go outside at night for a few minutes at a time. And if you try to interact with them or say something to them, they'll actually just say, watch the sky. Every single NPC. That's all they do. After a while, someone on the board discovered a new NPC called uh, Tiaris, who's a male Dunmer at the temple at Ghostgate. And so... Something kind of noticeable, interesting about this guy was his robe. And that was because the clothing was like really nicely rendered. It had twinkling stars on it, kind of like the the night sky in the game. So like it looked like someone, whoever did it, just kind of took whatever graphic code, whatever, for the night sky and threw it on this guy as his clothing. Unlike any every other character in this, this game, with the exception of, you know, main quest NPCs who are all dead, his dialogue comes up in a dialogue box, but it's actually also voice. But it sounds like just, you know, the default male Dunmer voice. So nothing really exciting with that. People said it was probably a very slight imitation, but it was probably a it was a really good imitation of that. What did he say? So in the quest line that he would give to you, it doesn't actually go into any details I could find that would actually tell you what he would say. But he ha- he would send you to a dungeon simply referred to as just the Citadel. And so up until this point, you know, quests are fairly generic because you can't do anything story mode related. The entrance to this dungeon would actually be, I guess, located on a small island far to the west of Morrowind proper. If you used like a scroll of Icarin Flight, the westernmost point on the main landmass, it would uh, and jump directly west, you would end up almost exactly on that island. So you have this citadel dwarves, I guess, any dungeon that you can play in the game, both in size and difficulty. And people said, you know, even being level 20, it would take a long, long, long time to get to where you wanted to go. But what would happen is the further down you got, you got to this part in the room that people just kind of refer to as the portrait room. It would have fire torches and it would have a long hallway with pictures. And all these pictures populated by what is ever in your My Pictures folder on your computer. Like most nerdy guys, you know, what would usually populate on the walls was actually usually porn. Because, you know, why not? (laughs) But that was one of the things that, you know, when you download this mod, that your antivirus would be like, I think that's a bad idea. Don't do it. 
But of course people do it because that's what happens. After getting to this place, there's a long hallway with all these pictures that you're already kind of getting creeped out that are all your pictures. There's a door at the very end of the hallway. It's locked. Nobody has been able to figure out what's behind the door. Really? No one? And so no one. No one's been able to do it. And there's like a, I guess, a story about a guy who spent, I guess, like about four days straight playing the game, trying to figure out what was behind this door. Because I guess he had kind of found some sort of pattern, algorithm, something or other to do with the times and maybe being able to get into the door at a certain time because of things that would happen in the game wouldn't really do anything outside of that. So one of the, also the weird parts is so if you admit defeat and be like, screw it, I can't get through this door. This is stupid. You could return to Tyrus, but if you did, all he would do after that quest is quote unquote completed, he'd just say, watch the sky like everyone else. What do you think? Watch the sky means. I actually have no idea. Um, one of the speculations that, was coming up had to do with that guy I was telling you about who was um, finding out there's some sort of pattern with the stars that kind of coordinate with our stars in a certain way, they coordinate with a certain time frame. Yeah, that's about all that someone has ever really been able to figure out is like something to do with the stars and constellations and the way things are lined up and yeah. If you could ask the person who created this mod something, what would you ask them? Are you a troll? <laughs> because I could see doing something that would be just the absolute hardest thing in the world, you know, in a game that you know people are going to play because gamer, there are people out there who are like, I will finish this. It, only to have something locked behind a door with only not being able to open that door. Yeah, I want to know what's in that door. Well, I do too, but I mean, I could definitely see how someone is basically having a locked door that you can't open, but making people think they can get in there without actually getting in there just to drive people crazy. I, I, I would just have to be like, dude, what, either what's behind the door or did you just make this just to troll the crap out of people? <laughs> because if you did, I mean, go you, but still, come on. <laughs> yeah. For the second half of our show, what doesn't kill you makes you stranger. setting Oregon. The year early 1980s. In a sleepy seaside town, a mysterious game called Polyvius appears at a local arcade. But as people begin to play it, something is amiss. Players seem to become obsessed with the game and exhibiting strange and at times violent behavior. As soon as it appears, Polybius vanishes with nothing but a legend in its wake. If I had to describe the game in two words, it would be urban legend. I don't believe that it ever existed, personally. This is Chris Trimu, owner of Lost Classics and a retro video game collector. I met up with Chris to ask him more about Polybius in this mysterious game. Polybius was named after a Greek mathematician, I believe, also coincidentally named Polybius. Uh, it's a local legend, you know, uh, saying... They say that it was 
on the coast of Oregon, like in Astoria or maybe Lincoln City or something like that, where it popped up. And they said that, you know, they had psychological effects and that it was very addictive and people couldn't stop playing it. And there were lines around the corner to play it and people went crazy and murders were committed or, you know, whatever people want to say about it. And I've lived here my entire life. So 34 long years I've been in Portland and you'd think that I would have heard a little bit more, you know, something concrete in all that time since I was here at the time when that arcade allegedly showed up. And we've looked through old newspapers and things like that, and, you know, there's uh, clearly no mention of it. But where the legend gets interesting is that they say it's all a government conspiracy, basically, that it was set here by the CIA, and, you know, it was kind of a psychological experiment program. So the legend addresses the fact that there's no evidence by the government covered up all the evidence. I've been into arcade machines for a long time as well. Maybe maybe you can tell by my very cluttered house. I can't tell. And it's cool. <laughs> I know I know the local operators and the local machine distributors, at least local to the Portland area and none of them have ever heard of it or seen it. Again, no evidence points to it being a government conspiracy, but no evidence also points to it not ever existing. With very little to no facts to go off of, most information we have about Polybius is built on a foundation of rumors and estimated guesses, including what the game might have looked like. Chris explains that, Due to the approximated time of the release of Polybius, it's likely that the aesthetic looks somewhat similar to Tempest, a popular arcade game that was out around the same time. Tempest was a game in the early 80s, which was vector, so it was all just colored lines, mm -hmm. and it kind of looked like a net, and you were this almost Pac-Man-looking character. And you played with a paddle controller, which is just a spinner, and you had a button, and you would spin around, and your character would move around the net like this, and enemies would come from the middle, and they'd go along the lines of the net to try to get you. That's Tempest in a nutshell. So Polybius was supposed to be like that, Tempest being a very popular game at the time. The interesting thing is how the legend has spread, and that's something that I have not found out. Um, if you look through the last maybe 20 years there's always been mentions of it. There's a mention of it in The Simpsons. Um, if you look it up sometime, there's a screenshot where Bart's in an arcade and there's a Polybius machine there. So it's interesting that the legend was known, so it's not an internet thing. It happened before that. And um, trying to track down how that was spread is something that I don't think anybody's figured out how to do. For those of you who might not know, the creator of The Simpsons was born in Portland, so for Polybius to show up in an episode of The Simpsons alludes to the idea that Matt had heard about Polybius being from the area. You know, we think of legends these days um, basically as something that, you know, somebody sees on Facebook or, you know, they're crazy aunt emails them. And I don't think that anybody was sending snail mail letters talking about this weird game that appeared in an arcade in 1980X, whatever, <laughs> you know, they don't say the exact year. I think that the legend must have started around the time that Tempest was popular. 
Back then, there was a lot of scrutiny over what the CIA and other government agencies were doing. So I think it all kind of falls into that one time period, kind of like the perfect storm to create a legend like that. Now, to answer your question of why Tempest, one, it's not as well known as games like, uh, like say, Pac-Man or something like that. So if you had said it's a Pac-Man clone, people would be like, oh, so it's like this game, it's like this game, it's like this game, it's like this game. You say it's a Tempest clone, and like I said, while it was popular, not nearly as many people know about it, and that kind of adds just a little tiny bit of mystery to it. You know, of, oh, what was Tempest? How did it play? Like, let's go find a Tempest machine. Oh, you can't because they're all destroyed because they use color vector monitors, which very, very few are still around. Is this starting to sound like the perfect storm of legends to you? That's because it probably is. It's, there's too many perfect things that would have to happen for it to have happened. Like, it doesn't make any, like most conspiracy theories, it doesn't make any sense when you actually sit down and think about the logistics of how it would have to happen. Right. And again, then, you know what, one person comes out and says that he saw this game and it was kind of like this. It's, it's hard to think of a lot of things to say about something that there's no evidence for. Right. You I know. think it's cool that people think it makes you go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like, there's some government agent out there that just wants to make people go cuckoo bananas. Right. Kill each other in well, the streets. Well, yeah. again, it makes sense because it came out of the government, say, experimenting with LSD, which we know they were doing at the time, or rather before that. Yeah. So we know the government was doing these things to try to manipulate people's emotions and feelings and all that. Don't you think it would be weird to have a government agent put an arcade machine in for kids to play and go crazy as if kids aren't crazy enough they need a push well you like, you have to remember crazier you have to remember the time period marty where video games were a very new thing True. and they were taking the place of comic books as the big evil that was going to ensnare the youth and you know make them all corrupt and whatnot so Put all of those things together, you have, yeah, the perfect little uh, storm for making a legend like that. The other possibility is that it existed and it wasn't successful. <laughs> no. But if it existed, even if it existed and it wasn't successful, there still would be more record of it happening. Certainly. And someone would remember it. I mean, ha those, those people you talk to who own arcades and work on pinball machines... At least a handful of them have got to, have got to have been well alive in '81 when this was. Yeah, they're all happened. they were all alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, those you know. are very uh, yeah, very much like older 30s. people. Yeah. Yeah. They're, Calling it a government conspiracy, a lot of people hear that word and their brain, their ears just kind of shut off because they immediately <laughs> kind of. You're like, oh, God. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Moon landing or you know, this person wears a tinfoil hat when they're at home and that, mm -hmm. that yeah. kind of thing. Because the facts just aren't aren't there. They don't stack mm -hmm. in the favor Well, it's because of... it's a government conspiracy. They've erased <laughs> all trace of it. Uh, but here's something interesting. The government has been involved in video games before. Around that time, um, they made Battlezone. That was initially a government program as a tank simulator came out as a mildly popular arcade game. And 
in this decade, they made America's Army, which was 100% taxpayer-funded, and it was supposed to be a very realistic simulator of being in the Army, so you had to go through, uh, like, rifle tests and things like that, and it was all, you know, one hit, one one kill, one hit, you were out, or whatever. Right, just like real life, usually. Yeah, yeah, generally if you get hit in the spleen, you're not getting up to go jump in a tank. I'm not. That would hurt. So, so that might be another thing that kind of led, lends to why there are people out there who believe the legend. Because, I mean, you know, we know the government was into some weirdo psychological experiments, and we know they were into video games at the time. And who's ever going to think Portland, Oregon? Like, okay, nowadays, yeah, Portland, Oregon, that's a huge thing, but... You know, back in the early 80s, you know, Portland, Oregon was where poor families came to raise their kids, because that's what my family did. (laughs) You know, everything around here was just dirt cheap. At this point, Chris and I took a quick look on the internet to see if Polybius had popped up lately in any articles. It had, somewhat recently, on Eurogamer. Much of the article was comprised of things that we already knew, but it also mentioned a new character in this charade I had not yet heard of. Okay, so he's just talking about the Stephen Roach guy, which is the guy here that posted something in 2006 about how his company made it. I've read up about that guy before, and it doesn't go any further than this, unfortunately. Hmm. Because now he's a man on the run, so you can't track him down. He's a man on the run? How did that happen? He doesn't exist. Because <laughs> the government oh, wants to get God. after him since he blew the lid open on the thing, so he's had to change his name uh-huh. and go undercover so you can't track him down. For Because he blew the lid on Polybius? Yeah, right. Do you think he's running from his own shadow in that situation? Do I think he's even a real person is a better question. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's real. And just when you thought this legend couldn't make any less sense, somehow we are proven wrong. Okay, so what little we just read from that guy who's on the run (laughs) says that he worked in South America for the company that programmed it. So you think, why would the U.S. government have a clandestine program and then hire an international company with, you know, their own weird reporting and regulations and everything to make something, then send it over here to the well-known government outpost of Portland, Oregon, or rather the coast. So, you know, like I said, Lincoln City or Newburgh or something like that. You know, the more you think about it, the less sense it makes. Exactly. There's not the more the more tin foil you're wrapping around yeah. your head, the more you think about it. There's there's really no reason that it could exist aside from like I said, they were into video games and psychological experiments. But the government's always been into stuff like that, right? You know, I'm sure. Well, we know that uh, say the Germans were experimenting with time travel or whatever back in World War II. There's many video games about it. They're great. Right. But, Wolfenstein. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, governments are always experimenting with theoreticals. It doesn't mean that anything's happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, quite obviously time travel didn't happen, or maybe it did and we're living in Universe B. But, you know, there's, there's not enough to say that that was successful. 
Chris is more than just familiar about the legend of Polybius. He's developed and created a copy of the game that's playable on the Atari. My involvement when we did the Atari game in 2013, right, Marty? 2013. Yeah. We, we had a guy at PRGE who came in and he talked about the legend of Polybius and all that. And there wasn't any new information because there's very little on the internet, I'm sure you know. And our friend Rick Weiss, who is one of the organizers of PRGE, he emailed me because I'd been doing Atari games for a while. And he said, I got this idea. Why don't you make Polybius on the Atari? And I, I told him he was crazy because the Atari doesn't have any memory or power at all. There's not enough space in an Atari cartridge and not enough um, RAM in an Atari to make any of that happen. But true to the legend of Polybius, I kind of kept thinking about it, and I couldn't get it out of my head. So uh, I, I decided one day to just sit down and see if I could make something, you know. And I think what I came up with was pretty good. It was essentially Tempest. It played very much like it, except inverse. So the enemies and the character position were different. Uh, and I used all the memory, all the RAM, to use a bunch of different random number generators and random things that would uh, cause random sounds and random words to appear on the screen. And then extremely rarely maybe one out of every hundred games or so one other thing will happen I don't know if anybody ever saw it but I did put it in there and uh, you know it's, it's kind of a little a little ending that alluded to the legend huh so maybe somebody will see will have seen that maybe they won't I don't know for a final nail in the coffin Chris points out one of the most logical arguments of all if any of those effects were true, which, you know, they said, what, basically insanity, any mental illness you can name, they, they say that that's what it caused. If any of those were true, why hasn't it happened again, any one of those effects, in any video game in 30 years? So, yeah, I would think that if any of those th things were possible through a medium such as video games, we would see evidence of that having had happened. You know, there's, there's got to be some troll out there who knows enough programming to make something like that happen, if it's possible. And I think, again, by the fact that there's no evidence of it, <laughs> means that it can't be possible. To see some of Chris's work, including his recreation of Polybius, visit lostclassicsvgs.com. Music on today's show was composed by Matt Hunter, also known as Mechlo, that's spelled M-E-C-H-L-O. You can find his music at mechlo.bandcamp.com and at soundcloud.com slash mechlo. You can also find some of these songs on his upcoming album available at mechlo.bandcamp.com. Don't panic. All of these links are in the bio. Thank you so much for listening, and if you like what you heard today, please subscribe to our channel to hear more. You can find us on Podbean at nocontinuescast.podbean.com or on iTunes under No Continues. 
Until next time, I'm Janessa, and this was Virtual Recollections.